Hello, hello, and welcome to My Tennis Journey. As you're listening today, it would be amazing if you could hit subscribe or follow if you haven't already. Now, I'm really excited to chat to today's guest. I'm looking forward to finding out about his long and distinguished journey in the game and how it all started. But in addition, as president of the LTA, our guest is in a great position to give us an insight into the inner workings of the Lawn Tennis Association. He'll be able to fill us in on the role the president and the LTA council play, what the priorities are moving forward as we move towards tennis reopening, and what he's excited about for tennis in 2021. Welcome to the show, LTA president, Mr. David Rawlinson. Thank you very much, Rob. It's very nice to be here and uh, um, be good to sort of uh, have a little chat. I think we've got to go right back to the start hearing about how your tennis journey got underway. You know, when do you remember first picking up a racket, David? Uh, that was definitely when I was um, at secondary school, probably aged 11. Uh, and um, very much as a byproduct of the fact that I come from a table tennis family. My yeah. father and brother and I all played. We played as a team. And I probably played that from the ages of 7 to 29. Uh, and, you know, got to county level at junior and senior level. And out of that sort of extensive hand-eye coordination uh, table tennis, and I can remember ages hitting a ball against from the dining room table against the wall just to get repetition. I've got, um, to, ask you, I've got to ask you, Mr. Rawlinson. Now, we have played a lot of table tennis during lockdown on our, our dining room table. It's one of our most favourite things. Have you been doing that? Are you still? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've had a couple of little hits um, uh, because I don't think anyone goes through life without playing table tennis sometime. So, um, yeah, and, and actually I do occasionally have a hit with Scott at the National Tennis Centre um, yeah. because, um, you know, he, he enjoys it too and we have a competitive hit. And actually quite recently I, um, I had a couple of legs against uh, Mark Hilton and, and Leon Smith. So, um no, it's become a bit of a byproduct at the tennis centre. You know, that's brilliant. And it's such a fun sport, isn't it, table tennis? It's Absolutely, yeah. And uh, say we played as a family. We played, uh, and I, yeah, I was pretty much, that was my first sport. But then at my secondary school, we were very lucky that we had a chap called Bob Louie as our PE teacher. And Bob was a Hertfordshire County player who went on to play for Devon uh, as seniors. And um, in fact, his father of Joe Louis, who was, um, you know, well-known international uh, women tennis player. Yeah. And uh, he instilled tennis into my school, which was just a state grammar school. Uh, and um, every year had a tournament. So you know, I actually just entered the yearly tournaments at my school. And, uh, and he was very good just making us all play. And that's what actually got me first into tennis. Isn't this amazing, though, that, that, you know, the reason, one of the reasons I was inspired to go into coaching was reading Matthew Zayed's book, and it talks at the start about how he grew up in a community where a teacher was passionate about table tennis, and as a result, the whole community ended up playing table tennis. Um, and, and for yourself, it sounds like that teacher played a pivotal role in what became a lifelong passion. Absolutely, absolutely correct. And the uh, uh, funny thing about Bob was I, I, he left school the school before I left the school. Uh, and I think probably 30 years later, he was playing in a different age group to me. 
on the sort of British seniors tennis circuit that we sort of play. So uh, I saw Bob when he was when I was 45 and he was probably, I don't know, 65. Uh, and we reacquainted ourselves. So, uh, yeah, so it's a small world when you get into it. Yeah. It's a small world and it's a lifetime journey as tennis. Hey, don't worry about you didn't play so well today. It's still <laughs> going on down the line. Well, there's, there's that. And of course, there's always tomorrow if you lose, isn't there? So, yeah, always yeah. tomorrow. Now, so, I mean, you must be passionate about the, the LTA Youth uh, School Programme, which is starting soon. Having started in school yourself, that must be a passion for you. Absolutely. I think this is a really good initiative. Um, and you say launched, going to be launched in April this year. And it's covering, I think, four to 18 year olds. And it's also going to be embedded into uh, you know, the schools themselves. So uh, it, it's, it's going to be a really big initiative for us to open up the sport much more widely than, you know, well, as we look to open up the sport more widely. Obviously, we've been looking to do that all along anyway, but uh, it's a fantastic um, uh, initiative that we're about to implement. It's getting so much positive feedback, the LTA Youth School programme in, in coaching circles. Um, and yes, yeah, so I'm so excited about it. I've got a couple of primary schools who have agreed to let me uh, come in during uh, school time. And one of them, I've got an after, after school club uh, starting. And I just can't wait to get the rackets into the children's hands. And then hopefully, you know, they'll come on down to the club and play afterwards. Is that what happened to yourself? Was it a translation from school into... Yeah, what actually happened to me, I suppose, was that because um, I, I, I was relatively good in my school, because of my table tennis, uh, I actually entered a tennis tournament called the, it's a very big event called the Letchworth Junior Open. No one's ever heard of it. Uh, and, uh, and I won it. And I suddenly thought, well, this is quite nice. I'm out here playing outdoors in nice weather, um, whereas table tennis was often played in cold church halls on a Sunday night. And so for... Uh, probably the next sort of uh, 12, 13 years, I played both sports. Um, so I didn't really play young junior tennis. My first one was at 16. And I can remember it very clearly because uh, the guy I beat in the final of that tournament, I then lost to in the quarterfinal of the Hertfordshire Junior uh, County Championships. Wow. So, uh, and and I remember it very clearly because I was a set and three one up overnight. It rained and I came back and lost the next day. So, uh, that's life. Hey, now, but you're following in some great footsteps with this beginning because Fred Perry, of course, was, I think, world champion at table tennis before he went on and won Wimbledon. So, yeah, and, and Jones, of course. Yeah. So table tennis as well. Yes, that's very true. Although I was county level, not world champion level. <laughs> and is it is it serving you well in these matches against all these British tennis characters, your, your table tennis skills from all those years ago? Yeah, you never sort of quite, quite lose it if, if you've sort of played pretty well then yeah you, you um you're in good shape against someone who's picked up a bat once in a while so yes it's um it's it's okay <laughs> <laughs> good stuff now the letchworth open at 16 was was that the highlight of your junior career obviously you came to the sport late or did it happen quite quickly then that you moved moved onwards and upwards well yeah that's an interesting one because i then joined letchworth and uh sort of I was taken under the wing by a chap called Ken Nicholson. Never had any coaching, but he was a good sort of player and he taught me lots of court craft. And I always yeah. felt that um, on a table tennis table, you're, you're in quite a small area. Uh, and so you have to use the angles and, and very carefully. And that 
I think stood me in good stead on a tennis court because you've got so much more room to move somebody around. And yeah. I think that the tactical side was quite good. But I didn't actually enter another tournament until um, the Hearts under 21s. Uh, and that was my sort of claim to glory, really. I won that. Um, so, uh, because I'm not good to watch, but I'm quite difficult to beat. Is, it, is the table tennis, you know, the, is that something that's still there in your game in terms of the angles and that, that you hit? Very much so. Uh, I have an over backhand, which a lot of people my age don't. And yes, I'm playing lots of wrong footing. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I accept I don't look very good. So I try and put the ball where the opponent doesn't want it. Well, if you're ever up this way, when we're allowed to do such things, we've got a table tennis outside in one of the tractor sheds. We'll have to have a gamer. Yeah, we'll have a go at that. I, I intend to do a trip to all counties, so we can, you know, if Derbyshire bring me there, I'll be happy to bring my bat. Really? That's that's quite an object. I mean, we'd love to get you up here with the bat. That's no doubt about it. But hey, that a trip to all the counties, eh? Yes, I think um, one of my goals is there's 38 counties to visit, uh, plus four in Scotland, two in Wales. Uh, and um, uh, I intend to visit everyone in my three-year term. Now, I managed six last year, uh, but obviously COVID hit me from March onwards. Yeah. So that so I've got to actually manage 16 this year and 16 next to um, to get somewhere near my target. It's the equivalent, Andrew Jarrett we spoke to. He's, I'm pretty sure Andrew's done the, the 92 clubs when it comes to uh, football. He's probably done most of the Scottish ones as well. Um, and I guess that's the equivalent, isn't it, of doing the 92? Yeah, well, because uh, you go to a county. I mean, it's so far I've done uh, Durham and Cleveland, Norfolk, Devon, Cornwall, Cambridgeshire and Cheshire. Uh, and, and each one you give one and a half or two days and you visit, well, in Devon I visited six clubs and, and Cheshire four or five and so on. So you, you also get around and uh, totally in the hands of the county to I'll go wherever, I'll visit, I'll play, I'll talk to people, whatever totally in their hands. Um, and the sort of principle really being to uh, sort of uh, motivate their volunteers uh, to sort of get behind the LTA strategy and programmes. Of course, what actually happens in reality is that I end up coming back feeling very humble about all the work these people do. You know, it's just fantastic. So yeah. really, really, really rewarding trips. But yeah. great commitment from yourself to, to getting out and about and doing that. That's fantastic. So, so moving on, you know, you've got the, you've won this, this under 21s mm. championship and, and I guess, you know, your work's um, really starting off. You qualified in 1974 with the Institute of Chartered Accountants. Um, did your tennis passion remain strong, grow stronger as your career progressed? Yeah, to totally, really. What, what happened was I actually left school at 16 and did what's called five-year articles. And when I should be doing my correspondence course, I was actually out playing tennis six nights out of seven. But notwithstanding that, I managed to qualify at 21. Um, but then took an active decision, really. I mean, I'm coming from Stevenage, could have commuted to London and, uh, you know, gone to one of the big firms, uh, but actively decided not to do that because I, my life has always been sport and I couldn't, really write my life off to commuting uh, and not playing sport during the week. So um, I actually pretty much stayed locally so I could, could do that. And, and um, that's basically what happened to my career. I did actually work for three years for a big firm, but 
from their London office, not their London office. So um, my uh, my prime job, which I must be, I thoroughly enjoyed. I used to audit Guinnesses in Dublin, so I spent nine weeks a year out in Dublin. Wow, it was great. And every other weekend, we would not come home, and we would tour the country, or I would play in a table tennis tournament out there. Really? So, yeah. So yeah, great great times. But yeah, so I did the correspondence course, but basically was playing tennis as much as I could, and that's where I learned really how to play yeah and, and at that point um you know it, did you start playing for bedfordshire um ironically um i was doing steaming so when i won the 121s i got a call up for hearts oh, so, yeah. so i um played one county match ironically that was against beds oh. uh, uh it was in the what's called winter singles i won my two matches and um and i didn't hear from them again so, um, uh, I thought it was going to be the other way around here. I thought Bedfordshire were going to put in a big transfer request to say, come home. <laughs> no, no, other way around. What actually happened was that my career took me to Bedford, where I have my own business now. So yeah. I moved to Bedford. And then in 1981, um, when I qualified for Bedfordshire, Harpershire rang me up and asked me to play. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I actually, this, that would be in County Week. And I sort of said, well, actually, I've moved to Beds. Beds asked me first, so I, I changed allegiance. And then yes. very late, I played my first county week at 29, uh, and I played right through to I was 42. Really? Uh, which, you see, for a small county, um, you're more likely to do than you are for a, a larger county where there's more depth. We spent most of our time down in groups five and six, but uh, yeah, but thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Is it I mean, you know, County Week is just such a special time, isn't it? And, you know, I know what we've talked about County Week, I think, with virtually every guest. Um, one of our guests called County Tennis the backbone of British tennis. Is that a, a description that you'd agree with? Uh, totally, because I think it's, um, it, you know, this part supports my theory that tennis is a, a game for life. And, and uh, okay, one thinks County Tennis, one might think County Week, but actually, there's nines, tens, twelves, fourteens, you know, eighteens, all, all along the journey, and then of course, uh, you know, seniors, then followed by you know, over thirty-fives upwards. So um, yeah, it, it, it's a bedrock of tennis, and, and a lot of uh, competition tennis uh, runs through county. And uh, to sort of to answer your other question, I always wondered, having done my thirteen or whether it was county weeks, what I would do with that week because uh, it was just in my calendar that that's where I would go. Um, uh, and um, I captained it for eight years, which was nice. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously, one gives up the captaincy and, and because one's place isn't automatic. Um, but then 35 rolls on. So, yeah. Uh, it's just, um, so yeah, county tennis is something I've always been involved. I'm still playing today um, uh, for, the, for the 65s now. So absolutely brilliant. I'm I'm unbeaten as Derbyshire over 45's captain, a record that's going to remain intact because I now coach over the weekend when I would have captained it. So because of COVID, played non won non drawn, non lost non unbeaten. I'm positive about it. But uh, it's been really fascinating talking to a lot of uh, like people who are passionate about county tennis. And one of the things we're really going to try and do for, for Derbyshire and we'll do it for the men and for the women as well, hopefully, is is get um 
get a bus full of our juniors and supporters up to support our team. You know, I think we've always been very lucky in Derbyshire that we've had a vocal support, but wouldn't that be amazing to get, you know, such a, a group of players? Because the quality of the tennis, it doesn't, and even further down those divisions, the quality of the tennis is pretty exceptional. It's, it's good. And the first thing I did when I stopped playing, you know, for Bedfordshire was I went to Eastbourne to watch Group 1. Because uh, I thought, you know, that, that's something really good to do. And, of course, the other thing that's been really rewarding is when you become an LTA councillor, uh, you often go to a county venue uh, to sort of be the representative to hand out the prizes. And, and again, you spend a day or two days watching tennis. So County Week has still been very much of my life um, since. But to say... That's just for seniors. It's pretty, pretty good and active for you know, age nine upwards. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, our Stanley made his debut for Derbyshire under nines and it was a, it was a great occasion for, for, as a team, coming together as a team. Now, particular highlights, is there anything that stands out for you from your County Cup career? Any matches? Uh, probably one um, in that um, we, we, we beat um, Dorset 5-4. Um, uh, and it's the only time I think I won three in a day, uh, and that secured us promotion, uh, albeit short-lived because we got relegated next year. But we we had pretty much some highs that that day, um, because yeah, te team team stuff. It's uh, it, it's just so rewarding. And, that's brilliant, though. Uh, that's my... I, I'm getting a buzz just hearing about that. I mean, can yeah. you? Does the buzz come back when you you know when you remember this that feeling that elation? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm quite sad, really, that I can remember points and scores from yesteryear. So I know the match reaction was crucial. We won 11-9 in the third. So, um, oh. you know, before tie breaks. <laughs> wow, amazing. Oh, that's great. Absolutely brilliant. Love it. Yeah, here's to County Week returning, eh? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> now, volunteers, we, we've already touched on it, but, but of course, they're absolutely key to the game of of tennis across Great Britain. At, at what point did you start having, you know, Bedfordshire's now your county? What 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 time did you you start volunteering for, for Bedfordshire Tennis Association? Well, I think what what happens in Bedfordshire um, is that each county is allowed to each club is allowed to put forward a name for the county council in those days. And uh, my club, Riverside, put me forward, well probably in the early 80s. Uh, and I joined the county committee, I think, when I was probably bang on 30. Yeah. Uh, and uh, with a small gap, probably four or five years, I've been on it ever since in various roles. So, uh, um, yeah, so a long, long time, really. But because that was on the back of the fact that I suppose um, in my club days, I've been treasurer and chairman and club captains and team captains and so on. So um, it's always, frankly, always sort of volunteered in tennis because I've had so much fun out of it. I just wanted yeah. to put some, something back in. Brilliant. Yeah. And I know, you know, you, you've been, you became the LTA councillor for Bedfordshire. Um, our councillor in Derbyshire is Duffield's head coach, James Grindell. Um, for people who don't know, how would you explain what the LTA council is and what role the council plays? Yeah, well, the LTA council is um, basically made up of representatives from counties and from our other directly affiliated organisations, um, people like APTO, the officials, people like Seniors Tennis, uh, people from uh, who've been on the tour in the last 
10 years. So we get a, a good mix. Um, and um, the principle of council, I suppose, is to be a conduit between the, the membership body you represent and, and the LTA head office to A, bring topical subjects to council and to B, take messages back to your county to then and then via the county committees, hopefully to clubs, to help sort of implement and motivate the um, strategy and volunteers. So that's sort of the role of council. It, it's consulted um, in workshops along the way on initiatives the executives are thinking about, but uh, having consulted, then our role is very much to support the initiatives and, and uh, to help delivery. We're very excited that one of our, our podcast guests, Yasmin Clark from Derbyshire, was one of seven recently appointed board-nominated councillors. Um, I think that makes eight in total now. So what's the idea with the board-nominated councillors and, and what do you, do you hope they will bring? We're allowed board-nominated councillors, so not from directly affiliated organisations, um, to widen the experience on council. And that is, we, they've attended their first council meeting and it was... Uh, very evident if like they're going to bring a wider experience to us um, that they come that there's a mix of ages there's a mix of backgrounds well there isn't a mix of if they're all totally enthusiastic that'd be interesting to sort of hear Yasmin's feedback and all that at some stage brilliant she's uh, yeah she's got such great knowledge such great enthusiasm such a great signing um, so you, you know you went on to become deputy president in 2017 president in 2020 it's, you know, it's an amazing title, LTA president. What, what does the day-to-day -day of LTA president involve? Yeah, well, I suppose um, the main, I mean, I, I look at myself, I mean, I chair council. So I suppose I'm almost lead volunteer of the organisation. Um, my mantra or, or strapline is that we are one team. So I'm very keen that um, the board, the LTA exec, and the council behave as one team, whilst obviously leaving everybody to do their roles. So um, the exec will come along with a proposed strategy, which the board will tweak and sign off. Um, the council having been consulted along it along the way, uh, and and then um, you know, I, I'm all for motivating that council to um, take the message out and, and start delivering. Um, so that's sort of my sort of council role in many respects. Um, I think also, um, you know, I am, I have the sort of honor of being the official representative sort of home and abroad. So um, if we have Davis Cup or now Billie Jean King Cup matches, um, now I, I have a role to um, uh, you know, attend the draw and to, and to meet their the opponent president and, and so on. And that's, what this has done is, frankly, to make some quite good contacts, almost friends, all around the world. So it's a, it's a real pleasure to, to, to do that. And of course, we touched a little bit earlier on the home stuff, whereby, you know, it's nice to visit the counties and, and see the grassroots, see the coaches, um, see some fantastic um, uh, sort of individual programmes. And when I was on my Cheshire visit, I, the, the um, disability coach up there uh, got me joining in for an hour with the learning uh, disability group. It was fantastically rewarding uh, to be involved, to see the fun they were having. Uh, and um, 
and you know, and I think another thing that motivated me was years and years ago um, at my own club, we had a lady who, for 25 years, eight o'clock till 12 o'clock every Saturday morning, unpaid, uh, put on junior tennis at the club. And it's just sort of this sort of motivation that you see and this effort. And, and uh, it just makes you want to, you know, be very humble as to what they're doing. And you and just... again, again, like, you know, for people listening on the audio, I've just got a huge smile because that lady who gave up her time will have impacted so many young people's lives and injected a passion for, for tennis. It might be that they went off into other sports or whatever, but just, just such a positive contribution that volunteers are making. Totally. And, and that lady actually was an Olympic athlete that should have been in the 1964 Olympics in Tokyo, but got injured and should have been running in the 1500, the Ampaka one. So, wow. uh, so she, you know, but she was an athlete, but then, then put all that life into, she lived around the corner and put her life into the tennis club for 25 years. Fantastic. I find it so inspiring because, you know, I, the reason I left the corporate world is, I, you know, along with my, uh, the people at our club, this is what we want to get going is such a buzz in our local area because it can make, a tennis club can make such a positive difference to an area, can't it? Oh, absolutely. No, okay. and uh, there's many villages, I think, where it is, you know, the hub, there's a, there's a brand new club in Norfolk called Hingham where they had nothing and two ladies have got together and really impressively, have created a club now where there's like 120 youngsters in playing in the Norfolk leagues. And uh, uh, it's all about people. You, know, yeah. you, you need facilities, but you, they're no good if you haven't got the people. Brilliant. Last couple on uh, on council and the president president's role. Is there something you can point to and say, well, the council really made a difference on this particular area? Um, I think... Uh, it's been interesting this year with, you know, with my presidency and COVID. Uh, and I think um, we, we, we were consulting, got behind uh, and the, the coach support schemes. Obviously, we're, we're aware of the coalface, uh, as are the LTA exec. And it's really great to see those programmes put out um, to help the self-employed you know, before the government scheme got up and running. So I think council played a little bit of a role in that. Um, I think... Well, it's quite rewarding. I mean, or, or, or we've also managed to cope, I think, quite well with virtual meetings. That's not something that I was doing before, but now I'm on Messenger, Teams, Zoom, uh, WhatsApp, all, all these different mechanisms to hold meetings and have calls. And I think that's been good how counties and you know, council has adapted to get messages out. Um, it's a really and, interesting point, though, David, isn't it? Because in terms of the council being visible in all the different counties, it's an opportunity. The fact that Zoom, you know, Zoom 14 months ago, what percentage of county volunteers had ever been on a Zoom? I don't know, two, three percent. What percentage is it now? You know, it's 1995. It's a great opportunity for for the council to get the message out there, isn't it? And I think one thing we've learned this year, and you know, we have this awards uh, program, which is fantastic, where we reward at county level, regional level, and then national level. And historically, national level finalists have been invited to Wimbledon for a very nice lunch uh, and a pair of tickets. But this year, because we couldn't do that, we actually held it virtually. So we um, we took over the what we call centre court, which is the meeting area at the NTC. Uh, and uh, it was hosted by Leon Smith, uh, 
and uh, supported by me, and we did them virtually. And what happened here was instead of hitting the normal 120 people, we hit thousands of people, A, yep. live, and B, on YouTube since. So we, I think what we learned from that, frankly, is that next year we'll go back to doing it at Wimbledon, but we'll also film it live. Yeah. And uh, so we reach more people. And uh, I think that was a good thing. And the, the last thing I'd just like to say on council is it made me proud because when I joined in 2006, we were 135 people. We were fairly unwieldy, uh, but we, we sort of voted ourselves, or turkeys for Christmas really, to reduce ourselves down to 60 odd people, which has made it more intimate, people more happy to speak and contribute. And it's made it much more effective. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of proud that it's um, quite a live, adaptable organisation. Objectives moving forward for, for your term as president? Is, is there any ambitions that you're you know, particularly excited about achieving? I sort of covered this in many respects in that, you know, want to visit the counties, want to support the strategy. Um, I think we have a challenge uh, in our sport, as other sports do, of the, you know, perhaps the younger generation uh, having the sort of electronic uh, life, you know, looking at their tablets and so on. Perhaps you and I in our youth went down the wreck and kicked a football. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think all sports have this challenge to, to get these people out there. And therefore, we, we've got to be you know, on their wavelength. So I think it's quite good that we um, are bringing out uh, sort of like LTA rallies so you can access courts. Um, and and just, um, just investing in facilities, get, getting the message out. So, but basically, I suppose, to answer your question, um, I want to see participation continue to grow. We were lucky in, in, in respect that our sport was allowed back early last summer, and yeah. we saw a fantastic increase in numbers of people playing, and therefore the challenge is to retain them. Uh, and, and, um, but if we can make it, and I'm sure you've heard this before, but if we can make tennis relevant, accessible, welcoming, and enjoyable, then people will come back. And of course, again, a lot of that uh, is down to the coaches to, to make it fun. You know, you've got to make, you've got yeah. to make the sessions fun, you know, um, so that, uh, yeah, we become a sport people want to play. and go. So my, my goal is to keep the participation curve in the right direction. Yeah, here's to making that happen. It's certainly, uh, we found at our club and in my local village, a lot of children started playing tennis coming out of the lockdowns. And I know that pretty much, well, so many of them want to rebook. It's it's an exciting time for our sport in that respect. You know, it's been really tough, but the, the children have been enthused by our game because it's a brilliant game. And if we can make it a fun experience, and let's hope that that curve just continues going in the right direction. I think we've, we've invested a lot of money in clubs and parks and, and schools, about £7 million of our contribution with no contribution from those bodies to put tennis out there. And of course, the other thing, you must do is, uh, you know, we, we mustn't just think of tennis as green ball. We've got to think of, you know, traffic light tennis because it's so much more fun if you learned how to hit the ball backwards and forwards rather than it disappear over someone's head. So I think traffic light tennis, you know, has got a big role to play, as has sort of the, the bolt-ons, you know, the kick fit ones like cardio. And of course, we've just taken over paddle tennis, which um, uh, is an enjoyable game that is very good for fitness. So, um, yeah, uh, so I, yeah, but in answer to your question, I want to see participation to continue in the right direction. 
Yes, come on. Is it which you know? We've just covered a load of them, but which of the LTA initiatives are you most excited about? I think well, we touched on that earlier. I think this this new LTA youth has um, got to be. You know, uh, I think statistically, if someone plays tennis in their life, even if they leave it, they're likely to come back to it. Whereas if they've never played, they're very unlikely to start. So I think the more people we can get younger into a sport that is very good for them, I think the better. An LTA youth programme with the schools involved has, has got to be the way forward. I'm so excited. I've just ordered 50 new rackets. I'm so excited that, you know, the schools are giving us the chance to go in and they're going to have these lovely rackets. We're going to get them playing our game. It's so, it'll, You know, I know how tough it's been. Boy, do we all know how tough it's been. But let's hope there's a light at the end of the tunnel now and that our sport can really start giving children an amazing time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% behind that. and really quite excited to see how that drives out in April. I know, um, I know the LTA are really passionate about driving forward inclusion and diversity in tennis. Can you give your perspective, Dave, perspective, David, on, on why this is so important? Well, if we're going to achieve you know, the goal of opening up tennis, it's got to be to everybody. So, and I mean everybody, young, old, able, disabled, um, all backgrounds. So it, we've got to be inclusive and diverse. Um, and it's quite interesting here because I mean, Scott Lloyd uh, wrote two open letters yes. and we had 50 respondents to that. So out of that, we've actually formed a group to, um, to consult, to set our inclusion and diversity strategy. So, you know, to get, to get good, good wide feedback. We've touched a little bit earlier on, you know, we widen it up with these seven new board nominated councillors. We're about to employ a new uh, main board director. Uh, we're not sure we'll add uh, another perspective, so that's great. And then, obviously, we've done some other work in the past. I don't know if you've heard of the Serves program, but under Serves, uh, which was through the Tennis Foundation, but is through us now because um, we've had 30,000 young people play tennis who've never played before, and most of that's been this um, traffic light tennis in mosques, churches, um, village halls, um, you know, community centres. And this programme, 75% uh, of those people taking part come from the 30% most deprived areas. So we've really got to get there. We've got to change the perception that tennis is middle class. Tennis is for all. Uh, oh, and, um, and I strongly believe that, you know, I'm just a, you know, a kid from a you know, steamy's old town and, and, and so on, you know, and, and you know. uh, it's so true. It's so true. Swinging a tennis racket is not about any bracket, is it? It's about having fun no matter, no matter who you are. Let's give everyone the chance to play our sport. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. And I think that we've also got the open court program, which, um, so, uh, which is a joint uh, venture. And um, we, we've got 500 venues now signed up to do visually impaired, um, deaf and learning disability, wheelchair, you know, all, so you know, we really are putting a lot of um, effort into those areas, quite rightly. Yeah, come on. You know, and on the back of schools, you know, for everybody and LTA youth. Yeah. Brilliant. Now, I really feel like, you know, you, you, we've got to know your role. And, but in terms of getting to know yourself, Mr. Rawlinson, what are your passions away from tennis? Sport. I mean, 
Yeah, totally sport. I mean, I keep up to date with all sports other than horse racing and boxing. Yeah. Horse racing because there's a new horse every year and I can't keep up with it. Uh, and, and boxing because I'm ambivalent really about boxing. Um, but all other sports I follow with great interest. Um, and, and um, you know, I, I, when you ask me a question in a few minutes' time, you'll, you'll realise it's a related answer. So all sport, <laughs> um, playing-wise, yeah, I mean, table tennis, tennis, I like to ski. But um, yeah, I follow, you know, Ski Sunday. I, I, you, you name it, I follow it as sport. I follow football. I'm, I was a director at Bedford Rugby Club. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sport through and through. Come on, it makes the world go round. <laughs> and tennis-wise, you've continued to play as a senior. Um, it is a sport for life. You know what? What are your highlights from senior tennis? Well, two two things, I suppose. Really, one, one is um, when I got to early fifties, I decided to get pretty fit. So I went to the gym sort of three, four times a week, and, and so on. I suddenly found that I was winning matches that. I'd just been narrowly losing before. And the long and short of that is that um, I had some good enough results. I got picked to play for England in the Four Nations. So I, I got my sort of England cap. Uh, so that, that was a highlight. Um, and I think the other one was I did win a national doubles title at, at Wimbledon uh, in the 60s age group. So um, they're my two seniors' highlights on the court, off court. I played in as an individual in six or seven world championships around the world, uh, from Mallorca to Turkey to San Diego to um, Austria to wherever. And it's just, you know, the friends you make from other countries. So that, that's the rewarding Brilliant. side of it. So um, you know, It's fascinating, though, isn't it? The kind of, you know, you see juniors and sometimes they get upset about losing matches but don't worry you know if you if you can be better better tomorrow than you were today and then because the game the future you're going to have in the game you're playing for your country you know that you know if you'd have said to, to yourself starting out on that journey at school you know at the age of 11 you know in a little while you're going to be playing for your country you'd have gone yes <laughs> yeah I would have done but it was age group stuff it wasn't the, it wasn't in the Davis Cup <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I mean, if I'd have ever done, but I don't, you know, that's the beauty, isn't it? Is that it's, it's okay. You know, it's, it's, you're playing for your nation and, and the sport continues the whole way through. And team, team stuff again, which is really good. Brilliant. Brilliant. How about as a spectator, as a British tennis fan, what's the most amazing things you've seen? I've been very lucky. Um, I, I, obviously I witnessed Andy winning 2013, after all those years since Fred Perry. But we mustn't forget that, you know, that's men. Women-wise, we've been lucky. We, we've had, you know, Virginia, we had Ann Jones, and we had Angela Mortimer. So, you know, we mustn't forget we've had women, you know, Wimbledon champions as well. But watching Andy 2013 was special. But most special, without a doubt, was the Davis Cup in Ghent. Uh, the Belgians were superb hosts. The British fan base were excellent, um, and and um, you know Andy's win against Goffin in the, the deciding match was just great to be there. Great atmosphere. You probably remember the winning sort of backhand topspin lob. Yes. Um, and then we all spent um, a good hour with the fans who were caped in Union Jacks and you know, Union Jack hats, caps, you name it, and and we 
spent a good hour and it was such a happy crowd and moment. So that that uh, that weekend is my most special tennis memory as a fan. The word that springs into my mind is just electrifying. It must have just been, I mean, it was watching, but to be there with, you know, for any supporter who was there, it must have been electrifying. Oh, it was absolutely unbelievable and uh, wouldn't have missed it for the world. So, yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. Now, two questions we ask everybody to to finish. Um, If you were put in charge of world tennis and you could launch one initiative or make one change... What would it be and why? Yeah, you left these two searching questions uh, to the end, didn't you? It's, um, <laughs> um, interesting. Um, I, I think um, there are quite a few governing bodies in tennis. Uh, and um, you, you could say it, it's a little bit fragmented. And, and um, maybe, you know, if there was, um, if, if we could bring together those various bodies, I mean, there's talk about, the ATP and the WTA tours, and I think that would be a very good thing. But um, you know, you, you have the other bodies as well. Uh, I think if we could all, you know, be on the same page for the benefit of the sport, um, I'd like to see some sort of um, uh, communication and, and, and um, mutual sort of ideas come from that. I think that'd be quite a positive thing. Uh, I mean, it works now, but it just would be. No, it could it work better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. And the mm-hmm. final question, I'm excited about hearing this one because I think you sort of referenced it's coming. And the final question, which we ask everybody, if you could go for a drink with anyone, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Yeah, well, I'm going to cheat. I'm, I'm going to say uh, I want an audience with um, Bill McLaren Rugby because yeah. he was... The most fervent Scott, who is the best neutral commentator in the world. Yeah. Uh, John Watson, football. Oh, Mary yeah. Walker, Mary Walker, Formula One. Dan Maskell, tennis. David Coleman, Peter Alice, golf. And then Gabby Logan for her Olympics. Claire Balding, tennis, etc. Sue Barker, pioneer in yeah. women's broadcasting. Now, Annabelle Croft. I'd like to have an audience with them because, and I'll buy them all a drink, um, because I think their experiences must really be worth listening to. Yeah. Uh, and I just think, you know, they, they will have uh, had such fun and such experiences they, they could relay from everything they've done. So, um, so I'm sorry if that was a bit of a cheat of an answer. Oh, it's a party. But, it's all right. I think we deserve a party, don't we, after all this time? <laughs> well, they all come over as very, very human, and, and I think they've got their own passions for those sports. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to meet a couple of those. But um, yeah, I'd like to see them as a, as a group. I bet I probably wouldn't get a word in, actually. But uh, um, I think it'd be really entertaining. I think it just shows, though, that that collection shows your sport in passion. It just mm. shows, you know, because it's not from a particular sport. But the thing that brings them all together is a passion for sport, isn't it? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, I think they, they've all hugely impressed me. And uh, yeah, so there you are. I've cheated. Not, okay. not one. <laughs> Amazing. Well, listen, thank you, David. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, we, we'll, we'll look forward to welcoming you to Derbyshire. Uh, we've got to get a game of table tennis as well as the tennis in there. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, and we can't wait wait to, to, to welcome you. But for, for the time being, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to speak to us on the podcast. It's very much appreciated. No, thank you, Rob. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers.